Yeah, your mindset should be if you don't get another rep or, or five more pounds than you did last week, your family's going to die. Men men don't train hard enough, you know? So I think effort and results are tied together. They're, it's a marriage between them, right? The guys that look the best in the gym, that perform the best, tend to be your high effort performers. Um, there are some genetic freaks out there, but they're few and far between. And so, yeah, as a result, most people just are not training hard enough. Hey, what's up, friends? I'm Vince Del Monte, father, husband, and the OG of online fitness marketing. For more than a decade, I've been committed to helping skinny guys pack on muscle. And after building multiple seven-figure online fitness businesses, I've achieved freedom and financial security through mentorship, hard work, and my passion for fitness. And I want to help you do the same. Recently, I've built the best mastermind coaching program that exists for fitness professionals by giving you the shortest no BS path to grow to six, seven, and even eight figures regardless of your starting level. My coaching was designed to give you the skills, systems, and support to become an industry mover and shaker and build the business and life of your dreams. Hey, welcome back to the Vince Del Monte podcast show. We've got another high value episode for you today. In today's episode, I turn the mic over to my brother, Adrian, who interviews coach Ryan Fanley, longtime friend and head strength coach in our men's development program, Men of Bedrock. Ryan is an expert coach who's been responsible for the fitness and physical performance of hundreds of athletes at all levels from beginners to NCAA athletes to NFL Super Bowl champions. He and I have personally collaborated on a ton of high-impact projects over the years. If you want results in the fitness space, Ryan is the guy that I have consistently gone to. In this episode, Adrian and Ryan talk about why men need to be strong and powerful, the biggest mistakes people make when they're trying to lose fat, and how to use challenge-based workouts to break through plateaus. They also lay down basic strength expectations that all men need to be able to achieve. You'll get to see if you measure up. The conversation is going to deliver. Enjoy. Thanks, Vince. I'm really excited for this conversation. We are going to talk about some of the biggest mistakes that men make when they're trying to lose fat and especially why so many men are great at starting workout programs but not so great at finishing them. Ryan, welcome we are recording uh, at 5 a.m. You ready to go? I'm ready to go, brother. This is, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not a stranger to early mornings, but I will say this is the earliest I've ever recorded anything. So usually in the mornings, it's, you know, doing my own work or training or something like that or on a computer, but we'll see how this goes, right, brother? We're going to get after it and we're going right. to get after it. So I want to tell you a funny story. Last week, we were... Uh, Vince and I were on an interview with Larry Hagner, and, and Larry Hagner has a big men's podcast, men's mastermind, and Vince was trying to give me a compliment. He said something like, like you, you know, like Adrian uh, isn't the biggest guy in the gym. He's in good shape, but but you see his strength when he's when he's parenting his kids, but but he's not that big of a guy. Like he, He's pretty big, but, but he's not the biggest guy, and I was thinking, like, I think this is a compliment. I wanted to run it by you, Ryan. You're a much bigger guy than me. Uh, give us a bit of your fitness story. How did you come to be a strength and conditioning coach? You've been in this a while. Give us a bit of your uh, your background. Yeah, so for me, it started at a really young age. Um, I played basketball, believe it or not, about 80 pounds ago. Um, and 
when I was playing basketball coming up, I was obsessed with dunking a basketball and, and building a big vertical leap. And so I started researching ways to jump higher. And ultimately that led me to the gym. So in seventh grade uh, for Christmas, I asked for a set of plastic filled weights and a little wood block so I could do calf raises, just a basic, like literally it was just, I think it was maybe 110 pounds of sand filled weights and a wood block. And I started working out. And interestingly enough, it caught on and it worked, right? Like by the end of eighth grade, I could dunk a ball pretty much any way I wanted to. And which was pretty cool as a white guy, right? And um, in grade eight, <laughs> in grade eight, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. And so that continued on through high school and I started training and I just love the process of training. I, it improved my uh, sports performance. It improved me physically. I started to get attention from people of like, oh, hey, you've got some muscles. And so I really fell in love with it. And it got to the point where I just fell in love with training even more than the sport itself. I liked bashing the weights more than I liked playing basketball. And so I went and got my degree in exercise science and I knew right away I was going to, that's what I wanted to do. So as I was finishing up, I was interning with the collegiate strength and conditioning department at Miami University and we're sitting in the office and ESPN was on and uh, they just announced that Sean Payton was named the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, which is an NFL football team here in, in the States. And my boss was sitting there and he knew Sean from way back and he goes, I'm probably going to be getting a phone call about this. And sure enough, 20 minutes later, Sean called him, invited him to be his head strength coach uh, with the Saints. And so this spot opened up. Mm. And so his assistant transitioned to the head spot. And sure enough, there was an assistant role open. I had been interning for a year. The athletes knew me. And I look at it as God's way of saying, this is what you're meant to do, right? And so I stepped into that role and started there. So I did that for several years. And then uh, in 2011, uh, Charles Poliquin invited me to become a member of his staff. So he's uh, the most medaled strength coach in Olympic history. And he does hail from Canada. So mm -hmm. you're Canadian. Represent. Audience. Represent. Yeah, represent. <laughs> and so I traveled with him and taught. My job there was to teach strength and conditioning across the world. You know, I taught in London. I taught in Australia, Canada, kind of all over the place. And so that was awesome and, and great. And that's actually where I met Vince. Vince and Ben Pakulski taking a course together. And so I taught them. And that's how Vince and I built our relationship together. And then we started working together. So and then in, in 2013, I started my own company working for myself. And I've been on that path ever since, but it's in strength and conditioning. And so, you know, now I still do certifications. I train uh, I do online coaching. I do in-person body work for some local NFL athletes and collegiate athletes and occasionally some soccer moms, too. Um, and then I go to gyms and I train their staff on how to become better trainers. And then I do a lot of like consultations with uh, gyms or colleges and things like that. Yeah, it's cool, Ryan. You do. You've been in this game. So um, let, let's dive in. You said you trained uh, athletes and moms and and high level from beginners. I want to talk specifically about men. And, you know, we're running together a uh, men's development program to help men install high impact habits that cover their whole life. And one of our highest impact habits is what we call get strong or be, they got to be fit. This is something I've been debating a lot. I'm trying to decide do men need to be like extremely fit, pretty fit, don't need to be fit, you can still be a good dad. Why do men need to be in great physical shape. 
That's a great question. And quite frankly, Adrian, it goes so much deeper than just six pack abs. A lot of people will hear that question and think, well, I'm a dad. I don't need to like look a certain way. Like my spouse and I love one another, regardless of what we look like. Right. Like that's just a, it's not a shallow love. And so people will think of that question, but I perceive it a different way than that. I look at it as a personal growth and personal development metric. Mm. So you need to be fit because in your life, you need to have goals and to strive for goals. As a male of the family, you're supposed to be the protector. So protecting your family requires a degree of physical presence, right? Um, You need to be a provider. And to be a provider, you have to have energy to go out and work a full day and, and still have energy for your kids and your family and still be able to do those tasks around the house. As a man, you have to be task oriented. You have to be able to get stuff done, plain and simple. And so um, just as an example, I got my kids uh, new bunk beds uh, just this this past weekend. And this freaking bunk bed set, of course, arrived in in pieces and it's got to be assembled. <laughs> there, It was two boxes. The first box was probably about 11 feet long. And if I had to guess, around 200 to 300 pounds. And I had to figure out how to get that in the house by myself. Now, I can tell you, even as a man that spent his entire life in the gym, that was a freaking struggle. <laughs> okay. And so just simple things like that. If you're not physically capable, uh, you're not going to be able to serve your family. And so to me, strength and fitness serves as an example of physical capability. You need to be the one in the household that does the hard physical things. That doesn't mean that um, your wife and kids can't help and do those things too. But I think as a, as a male, you should be the leader in that regard. And so it really is deeper than just how you look. Uh, and, and then also it goes without saying, you want to be around a long time for your family. Uh, the statistics here in the U.S., I'm not sure what they're like in Canada, but in the U.S., it's pretty scary how many men are dying very young these days due to totally preventable things. Um, you know, heart disease, diabetes, many of which are obesity driven. Uh, and, and even even things like suicide. Men are so much more likely to commit suicide than women. It's a it's an epidemic here in the U.S. And a lot of that, the relationship between training and mental health. You know what I mean? When people don't have anything physical to strive for, when you train, you get that endorphin rush. You feel like a beast. You feel like an animal. You can tackle your day. And so when when men are missing that in their lives, it's depressing. It really is. Mm -hmm. You know, I was at a few months ago, the Great Wolf Lodge. And if you want to get a state of men's health, go to the Great Wolf Lodge because, you know, it's all it's all dads um, and I felt a sense of like, I felt like I was being judgmental, Ryan. Like I felt like I'm looking around and I'm like, all these guys need to get into better shape because everyone's got their shirt off so you can see what everyone's got because it's a, like a big swimming pool. And if you could like, like you say, you don't need to have six pat abs, but could you give us some like, I know it's not the same for everybody. What, where do we want to get men? Like maybe not the 6% body fat, but we don't want to be at 40 like where where do where do we want to get men? Like what would be some good like look, Dad, for you to have the energy to serve your family? This is these are the things that you ought to be. Can you put any like numbers or or metrics on that sort of thing? You know, I I can and I will. Um, however, that's a really good question. 
I don't really see this as a point that you need to get to. I don't think it's like a minimum threshold and then you're done. For me, it's more about the growth mindset and establishing that. Like you should always be working on this for the rest of your life. So even if I say, let's say 15% body fat, well, why would you stop at 15? You haven't arrived. Like, shouldn't you always strive to be a little bit better? And so that's why, like, from a physicality standpoint, I'm never done, right? If I if I deadlift 500 pounds, I want to deadlift 505 pounds next. And then I want to deadlift 510. Um, you need to be fit enough to be present with your kids after a long day of work. You have to be fit enough to carry the groceries in in one trip, preferably, right? Like if you're a man and you're taking more than one trip to get the groceries in, you need to hit the gym, right? I, uh, I always, my neighbors would always laugh at me because they would see me in the back of the car. I mean, I got the groceries lined all the way up, both, both arms to the sleeve, just like walking in. Um, but I think so just some basic things like you should be able to do 10 chin-ups. Uh, that's a basic, basic thing that most males should be able to do. You should be able to squat at least one and a half times your body weight. So a 200-pound male should be able to squat 300 pounds for one rep. I'm calculating in my head right here, Ryan. I know. I know. <laughs> to, to figure out, okay, 185. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. All right, yeah. carry on. <laughs> yeah, and de deadlift, I think double body weight is a good target. Okay. So that 200-pound individual, a 400-pound deadlift. Now, okay, this, this is me giving you numbers as a former collegiate and professional strength and conditioning coach, right? But also... I know how heavy that bunk bed was for me to move in yesterday. And I know that guys that aren't deadlifting, you know, more than 200 pounds aren't getting that bunk bed in. Yeah. But you know what then? But then it turns into like, I don't know where you bought it from, but then you have to assemble the thing. And that's where you know, I've heard my brother Vince swear once in his life, one time. And it was when he was assembling Ikea furniture, right? And I, and I only say it because like once it's in the room, so you need the physical strength, then you need to like stay in the game. Like you say, you have to be like meant, like you got to assemble. Oh, it doesn't fit. The floor is not level. And you can't have these emotional outbursts on your kids. So the physical training also trains your mind. You become a stronger person as well. A hundred percent. And I think... That's one thing. That's one thing that I'm always working on as a male is what attitude am I presenting to my kids when stuff goes wrong? What do they see in me? Because ultimately our children are a byproduct of what we model for them. Right? It doesn't matter what we say. It matters what we do. You know, I, I actually, it, it matters what you say, maybe 25%, 25% of what they end up as will be based on what you say. The other 75% though is going to be based on what you do and what they see from you. Um, just the, uh, like my son is awesome ever since he was little. So he was, when he was one and a half, he would stand there when I would mow the grass outside, he would be just at the door, just watching me obsessed. Right. And eventually when it became clear that he would be capable of being in the yard without trying to run under the mower, I'd let him come out with me. And, and we got him a little toy mower and I'll tell you what, even from, you know, as a parent of children, you know how short attention spans can be as a kid, right? As a toddler. And so in every other aspect of his life, uh, my son, his name's Tyson, you know, it'd be two minutes doing this activity, three minutes doing this, 60 seconds doing this. When I would mow, he would be out there and present with me the entire time with his little mower. 
And so just this past week, he's four now, and he's still, he comes out with his toy mower. When I'm doing the mowing, he does the mowing. When I get the uh, trimmer and the weed whacker out, we got him like an old uh, adult one. that So it's a real one, but we just don't turn it on. And he does it with me. When I have a blower, he has a toy blower that he's blowing the leaves. And he just does it with me. And, and it's strictly because that's what was modeled for him. And that is true of the gym. That is true of the way you speak to your spouse. That is the true of the way you uh, handle frustration. It's true of every aspect in life. What If you see a behavior in your child that you don't like, Odds are it came for you from you or your spouse. Yeah, yeah, true. Yep. Yes. <laughs> that one hits home. My wife asked me once we were doing these like on a date night, we have like questions and she said like what's something you see in the kids that you don't like but you know is from you and I'm like, "Oh, buzzkill, oh, right? Totally yeah. like but you're totally right." Um yeah, man. So a million benefits you you know i might sum it up you know as the leader of the home speed of the leader speed of the team however the parents go the team goes so i want to explore a few more clichés if you don't mind and i want to set this up a little bit like you know when we have our weekly calls and you're on those calls the the guys will ask you questions and you answer them so what i want to do is pose some of the questions that we commonly hear a lot of them are cliches, actually. Um, and then you tell me: is it true? Is it false? Or what degree of true or false is it? Okay, good. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're going to let me tell the degree because one of the big issues in the fitness industry is everyone looks at something black or white, but there's always context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, you have time here. So let's let's dive into the first one. Okay. Um, and we're specifically talking today about fat loss. Um, we'll do a second episode where we talk about muscle gain, but today we're on fat loss. So true or false abs are made in the kitchen. True. Does not matter how hard you train. It does not matter what your training program looks like. If your nutritional status is not in check and set up in a way that's conducive to fat loss, you will not lose body fat. Yes, you can actually, it's hard to do, but you can get fatter on chicken and rice and broccoli and fruit your your bodybuilding staples right you can get fatter on that if your if your calories are not managed and your macronutrients aren't appropriate so the the kitchen your diet is the most important thing for fat loss i always tell people i get a lot of people that ask me hey what are the best exercises for six pack abs and i tell them there's two exercises that are the most essential to get six pack abs fork put downs and table pushaways right <laughs> and so so it's like people need to stop shoveling food in their mouth now so it is true abs are made in the kitchen however the six pack look that a lot of people covet is basically when the rectus abdominis muscle is well developed that's the muscle on the front that is the six pack muscle your abdomen there's a lot of different muscles there's the transverse abdominis there's the oblique group uh internal and external obliques and there's the rectus abdominis and so there's there's a host of muscles that support the torso and the core but the rectus abdominis is the six pack muscle if you will and so if you want it to be developed and look like a six pack you need to train the rectus abdominis and so, and you need to get it stronger. A lot of people, when they do abs, they do try to do sets of a hundred crunches to make it burn. Well, you don't, you know, you, you train abs the same way you train your legs or your biceps to get stronger. You need to do some heavy work for your abs if you want to develop a six pack. Mm -hmm. So that one, there's a, there's a degree of truth that abs are made in the kitchen, but there's also a training component too. What, what's uh, give me an example of heavy work on my rectus abdominis. 
Um, I'm going to start yelling that in the gym. Rectus abdominis. Rectus yeah. abdominis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a gladiator. Like yeah, gladiator charging into battle. Totally. You mean like like a weighted like a weighted uh, knee raise like with weights or or what would, what would be an example of a of that? Yeah, good question. So the rectus abdominis is going to be most trained when you have loaded spinal flexion and extension. Okay. And so a lot of people, there's a craze now for abs for only doing like plank work for stability. That works more the deep stabilizers and less the rectus abdominis. With the rectus abdominis, you want the spine to actually flex forward. So actually curling up. So but some of the best ones you can do, one is the hanging gar hammer raise. So that you would hang from a pull-up bar or chin-up bar. You could also use one of those elbow-supported benches like the Roman chairs if you wanted to. And a lot of people do this exercise completely wrong. They'll start with their legs hanging down and they'll lift them up until their knees or their hips are flexed to 90 degrees and back down. That's really only going to train the hip flexors, uh, which is not what you want to do. So you want to actually go up to where most people start, where your hips are flexed at 90 degrees. That is the starting position. From there, you roll your pelvis upward and roll your knees up to your chest, basically curling, you know, crunching your spine, if you will, flexing your spine, and then bringing it back down and stopping when your hips, when your thighs are parallel to the floor. So it starts and ends with that. Those are really freaking hard. You see people, you see guys do them the wrong way with their legs hanging straight down, and they'll crank out 50 reps incorrectly. You start them and end them in flexion and have them roll their hips up, roll their pelvis up. They may only be able to do three or four before they crap out. So that's a great one. I also like uh, crunches loaded with a pulley. So like a high pulley resistance. Um, also things like an ab mat. Have you seen those ab mats that kind of go under your low back? Yeah, yeah. Um, those are good and I like them with weight. So I'll hold a weight and you got to hold the weight at arm's length over your forehead and you keep it over your forehead the whole time as you kind of crunch over the mat and flex over the mat. And you get a really, really strong contraction there. And I like, you got to do it for reps and you got to track your PR. So I know, you know, what my eight rep max is for a weighted ab mat crunch. You know what I mean? Mm. I know what my weights are for my pulley crunches. And you should always be trying to build and improve on those. Yeah, I love that. Most guys know their, you know, their major, their squats, their deadlifts, PBs. But to know your you know, the, the, the PBs that develop the rectus abdominis, that's, that's, that's something I got to add in. Okay, let's move on to the next one here. Let's go another cliche. A little more cardio. How do you, uh, I, like, what's the role of cardio in fat loss? Do I need to do a lot of far, a cardio, uh, steps, Stairmaster? Um, what, what do you think on cardio, Ryan? Good question. So the research is very, very clear that 10,000 steps per day is has tremendous benefit just for your own physical health. And so they, they, they've done studies where they looked at all cause mortality, which is mean basically means how much stuff can you die from? Um, and people that get 10,000 steps per day or more have dramatically lower rates of all cause mortality. In one study, they showed up to 46% lower mortality than people that didn't get 10,000 steps. And so just for general health and staying alive as long as possible, I recommend everyone gun for 10,000 steps a day. I actually, Life is crazy sometimes, so I tend to not look so much at the daily step count as much as like a weekly, right? Um, your average, because let's face it, sometimes you're in the office early and you're stuck at the office late and you're at a desk and you just you just can't get 10,000 in that day. It's just a fact, like life happens, right? 
but it's all about consistency over time. And so we're never going to let one day derail our entire week. And so looking at a weekly average, as far as cardio goes and its role in fat loss, I like to use it as kind of a leveling tool. Your weight training and your nutrition should be the cornerstones of your uh, fat loss plan. So you, you, you should diet to get lean. You should eat to get lean, not necessarily try to over cardio to get lean. When people rely too much on that middle, middle of the road intensity cardio, like going out for a jog, for example, what ends up happening is they end up in kind of, um, too much of a catabolic state. So, so they start a lot of times people look stringy and flat or they lose muscle when they start doing too much of that middle intensity cardio. It's just too much to manage um, the demands of weight training and that type of cardio at once. So what I recommend for people is 10,000 steps per day. That that counts as cardiovascular work, believe it or not. Even though it's easy, it's, it's low intensity cardio, which is going to be hugely beneficial because it's easy to recover from. Mm. That's the biggest thing. If you're training, if you're batching the weights three or four days a week, you have to be mindful of your recovery and do going out for runs would then eat into that recovery from weight training. You end up burned out. Walking, however, is actually restorative in nature. So it improves your recovery while burning body fat. So it's hugely beneficial. So I recommend low and super low intensity cardio, just your walking, or also very, very high intensity intervals. And I wait to put the intervals in until someone is generally plateaued. So we'll just use the steps and the weight training and the nutrition for as long as we can. We'll milk that cow for as long as we can before we start to introduce high intensity work. And even then it's a very, very small dose of it, starting with just maybe one session per week for like 10 minutes of all out effort. And then we kind of go from there, but I rarely, very rarely go above two like high intensity interval sessions per week. And the rest would be like walking nutrition and, and, uh, uh, weight training. Yeah. I love that. So let's talk about plateaus there. Next question. A lot of guys in the first week, two weeks of a program, you see, you see a lot of this online, you know, such and such has lost 10 pounds in, in, in two weeks. And then, and then everyone plateaus. Yeah. So explain why, like, weight loss typically is really fast at the beginning, why it slows down, and then how to sustain, really, like how to sustain weight loss over the course of four or eight or, or 12 months. Great question. So your body is basically an adaptable organism, and it is hell-bent on one thing, and that's survival. Your body wants to keep you alive period. And so when you are, whatever state your body is used to, that is called homeostasis or basically same old, same old. So if you normally, if without thinking about it, you eat 3000 calories per day and you burn 3000 calories per day, you're going to stay roughly the same weight. And that's the state that most people are in. Anytime you rapidly disrupt that homeostasis, you will see rapid changes, okay? So if you all of a sudden go from couch potato to now you're in the gym three days a week and you've cut your calories by 500, 700, 1,000 per day, you're gonna first see a really rapid shift in body weight. The first thing that happens is you're gonna lose water weight and you're gonna deplete your carbohydrate stores within the muscle. So we store, um, oftentimes for some people, it can be 10, 15 pounds of carbohydrates and fluid inside muscle tissue. When you start to get super active and you start moving and, and things like that and eating better, 
you will reduce those stores inside your muscle tissue. So the initial like rapid weight drop that comes within the first couple of days, a lot of that is water and carbohydrate storage. I hate to break it to you guys, but mm. that's just the reality of it. You're, there's also going to be some fat loss in there. And so those first few weeks, uh, you're losing water, you're losing carbohydrates, you're losing body fat, and your body is used to whatever you are doing. So that shift in calories is going to create a dramatic effect. Well, remember your body, your body doesn't know you're trying to get six pack abs. Your body doesn't know you're trying to be healthier for your family. All it knows is that less food is coming in now than what came in a week or two ago. And so you have this down regulation of your metabolic rate. It's a very real thing over time that happens. Your metabolism will slow down in response to a calorie deficit. And that's what a lot of guys get hung up on. And, and it's different timing for everyone. And it depends on how severe your deficit is. If you start with a mild calorie deficit, oftentimes you can milk that for a couple months before you stall out. If you go straight from like couch potato, drinking beer and eating potato chips to like in the gym, chicken and broccoli, like right out of the gate, that plateau is going to happen most likely a little bit faster because you have um, so dramatically shifted your state that your body is like, whoa, hang on, what, what's happening? We don't have enough food coming in, you know, shut down the, slow the metabolic rate. So that's basically why it happens. As for how to keep it going, yeah, there's a couple things that you can do. The first thing that I tend to recommend is to not paint yourself into a corner in terms of diet. I like to start with the most, the smallest changes that gets the needle moving. All right. You know, losing, I always allow clients to lose a lot of weight in the first three weeks of a program, because again, you do have that fluid shift and, and things like that. But after the first three weeks, I don't want to see more than about a half a percent. Actually, I don't want to see more than about one to 2% of body weight loss on the scale each week. So that means if you're 200 pounds, I don't want to see more than two to four pounds coming off in a week. Okay. If you're, what, if, what, what does that mean if that's happening? What if it's coming off too fast? It happens for guys. Yeah, you're risking muscle loss at that point. Okay. okay now, okay. now there is some cat. There is some nuance here, right? The more out of shape you are, the less likely that is at the start. So, also for beginners, I allow a little bit faster fat loss for people that are you know going from couch potatoes to now in the gym. Uh, but for for most people, one to two percent of their total body weight per week is the most you would want to do because two things are going to happen. One, you're going to reach that plateau faster. Um, and two, you're going to lose lean body mass. Your lean body mass is incredibly important for your metabolic rate. Your metabolic rate or your metabolism is basically how many calories you burn at rest throughout the entire day. So I don't, I don't know about you, Adrian, but I don't want to just burn body fat while I'm exercising. I want to burn it while I'm doing my work at my computer. I want to burn it while I'm at the grocery store. I want to burn it while I'm sleeping. And in order to do that, the people with the higher metabolic rates are going to have greater calorie burn during those times. The people that have the more, more muscle mass are going to have those higher metabolic rates. So you do not want to sacrifice muscle. muscle. It's, so, it's such precious tissue that you don't want to go so fast looking only at the scale that you you miss the forest for the trees, if you will. Yeah. Let me talk about scale. Yeah. Um, we hear a lot of, we have our guys do a selfie every week, do a, a weigh-in once a week, but we're moving away from a once a week weigh-in 
you're a big advocate for weighing every day or as often as can and taking a weekly average. Why is weekly average a better way to to track uh, weight? Some guys say they don't like weighing. I, I remember when I was in a, in a huge trying to get way down um, in my weight and it would mess with my mind a little bit. I was like, like no, I, I, like I wanted to move. I'd like take my watch off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know these right, things, right. right? To make sure I I got it as low as I could. What should should I weigh myself every day, Ryan? Once a week? What do you think? Yeah, great question. So I will say, and what you addressed is is a very real issue. Some people um, can be driven to eating disorders with obsession over scale weight. Now, if if that's you, you know, first of all, I would say that starting a fat loss program probably isn't the best thing to do in the guise of an eating disorder. So it's like, you probably need to work on the mental side of things first. Now, as far as the scale itself, I think honestly, weighing once a week is probably the biggest mistake you could make. And Mm. here's why you are going to fluctuate every single day based on a number of factors. Okay. Remember we talked about when you first start a fat loss program, you begin to lose fluid and carbohydrate stores within the muscle tissue. So you can lose scale weight very, very rapidly just by dehydrating. Um, There are some tricks you can do. I, you know, I did a photo shoot back in 2015. I know your brother's used to doing a lot of those. And for those, you kind of, you, you do a uh, planned dehydration to kind of thin out the water between your skin and, and the muscles to make you look even leaner than you are. And overnight, when I did my photo shoot, I, I used some tricks with, and this is too short of a podcast to get into all the nuance of, of the dehydration, but I lost 23 pounds overnight. <laughs> and really? And, yeah. And it's all fluid. Okay. Wow. It's all fluid loss. Yeah. And so that's the first reason why weighing once a week is a mistake because are you actually down in body weight? Or are you just lighter in fluid? Um, did, you know, um, bowel contents, right? If you normally eat at 7 p.m., but the night before your once a week weighing, you ate at, let's say, 9.30 p.m., you're going to have more undigested food going through your system. And that's going to be, that's going to have weight to it. So once a week is really, really inaccurate. It's not a good representation. I like to weigh daily and take an average. And then you look at your average week to week to see your trends over time. I also like the daily weighing because for many, it takes the power out of the scale, right? Like if you, if you're weighing once a week and you have one day, one week where you're up for whatever reason, maybe you're just extra hydrated. You're going to freak out and think the plan's not working. You're going to slash your calories or do more cardio. And that is where the mental side of things starts to go bad. When you look at it every day, it's like, man, it's just another day, just another number. We're just tracking here. And you basically eliminate those little inconsistencies in your day-to-day by looking at the weekly average instead. Yeah, I love that. Okay, let me hit you with one more, then we'll transition a little bit. Um, We're working largely with men between ages 30 and 50 in bedrock. My best days are behind me, Ryan. My best days are behind me. Am I... Can I get stronger? Can I get more lean? Can I still do a photo shoot? Like, uh, uh, it tr- is there is there science to that? Like, um, guys are lamenting the good old days. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, that, that's false. Your best days are not, in fact, behind you. Um, you can make improvements at any age. Um, I've got a client right now um, who is in his mid seventies. He's working with one lung. Uh, he just had a lung removed this past year. Uh, also a hernia surgery, and he is 
so fit. Like he's jacked and he's got a six pack and he's getting better all the time. You can always make improvements. Now, yes, it's true. Your natural hormone levels are going to be higher as a younger, as a younger individual, right? Like you, you're going to have an easier time putting on muscle as an 18 year old than you are a 48 year old, plain and simple. That's just the environment. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. And that doesn't mean that you can't make progress. I have yet to see someone who is motivated and driven and does the right things in the gym, in the kitchen and with their lifestyle. I have yet to see someone that couldn't make progress just due to age. Haven't seen it. Typically, people like to use age as an excuse. We're full of excuses. Adrian, we are full of excuses these days, aren't we? Like full of them. We have these little lies that we tell ourselves and it becomes part of your, your psyche. It becomes part of your psyche and you start to believe those lies. And so when people say, Oh yeah, I'm 40 now. You know how it is. I just can't. I try to cut that BS right out of the gate. Yeah. What do you, what, what do you say? You say age is just a number. Yeah. Uh, you're only as old as you feel. Right. And you got to convince yourself you feel young, right? You're, you're a spring chicken, no matter what. And, and I just, I hate that weak mentality that people have these days. It's just, it is, it's a weak mindset. It's a woe is me, ho-hum kind of Eeyore. Remember Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh? I remember. Winnie the Pooh or Sesame Street? I can't remember. That is Winnie the Pooh. I think yeah, Winnie is. the Pooh. Yeah, All right. Yeah, like yeah, just yeah. this miserable pile of crap donkey, yeah, right? Yeah, like, just yeah. like, and, and I think people have turned into that and it's like, no, you got to get yourself back. Like you're only, you're only on this life. You're only on this earth for a set amount of time. Like make the most of it, right? Like don't mope and whine and complain, get to work. Yeah. And I have so many examples of clients that who are way past what many would consider their peak, who are still kicking butt in the gym and making little improvements. And you, the thing about the improvements is you may just have to change your lens for how you view things. So like, you know, if you're 50 years old, Maybe you don't do a one rep max anymore, but maybe you track your 20 rep max in a squat. You know what I mean? Like that is, you know, that's a brutal challenge and it's a way to still challenge yourself and still make progress uh, without, you know, you know, there is a point in your life where taking maximum weights for, for a a heavy single proves more risky. But that doesn't mean you still can't do it. No, but you mentioned you mentioned the word progress. I think that's key, right? Like there's there's different ways to measure progress, but you have to keep, you know, me- you want to be measuring backwards. Okay, where was I? And then where do I want to be going? And I think the question we always want to be asking is how can I progress? Not like, oh, oh, I like the Eeyore. Yeah. I like the Eeyore example. Well, and you know, Adrian, progress too. Um I'm going to argue if your best number of chin-ups you could ever do in your life, let's say at 19, was let's say you could do 11, okay? If you can do 11 when you're 60, I'm going to call that progress because your age has advanced. You may not look at it as progress. You're like, oh, but it's the same. No, but you're doing the same amount under less favorable hormonal conditions, probably under more wear and tear for your joints. That is progress. Yeah. I look at... I look like I, I know sometimes I get to the gym and one of my kids has been up, two of my kids have been up in the night and I'm getting there on way less sleep than my optimal, whatever, seven to eight hours. And I look at my log, I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't progress in my lifts. I'm like, no, I didn't. But this week it was mentally harder because my body was physically run down. I didn't get the sleep I wanted and I still hit the numbers I hit last week. So to me, I see that as progress too. 
I do too. And the other thing people have to remember, progress is not linear. It's not five, it's not five pounds per week for eternity. You realize I've been training since seventh grade. If it were five pounds a week for eternity, I would be squatting 11 billion pounds right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and so it it ebbs and flows, it comes in spurts. And a lot of times that's true of fat loss too. A lot of people are so quick to like try to add cardio or change their diet. I always encourage people to hang tight because there are things happening at a cellular level behind the scenes before they're manifested outwardly. Okay. So if you, let's say you make great progress on your nutrition plan for three or four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, and all of a sudden you have a week where you don't make progress, but you've done everything right. Hang tight. Do not change everything right away because there's still some things happening cellularly to your internal chemistry that will eventually manifest itself uh, themselves as another half a pound off the scale, you know, in the future. Same thing for muscle gain and strength gain. There's things working under the surface. You still have to stay patient and consistent. It is not linear at all. Yeah, I love that. Hang tight. Now, let me contrast hang tight with something that you've been given the guys in the group that guys are loving. Sometimes to stimulate uh, competitiveness or tell me what else it stimulates, you've been giving us challenge workouts. So once a week, we get a, a special challenge. So for example... Our first challenge was the goblet squat challenge. You get a 50-pound dumbbell. You you do as many squats as you can until failure. And I've done this twice now, both beside Vince. You know what he does, Ryan? He makes me kind of start so that, like, he knows when I finish, and then he does one more. Oh. Freaking big brothers. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, what's the value of, like, a challenge, like, throwing some – the other one, what was one we – seven-minute wall sit, like, as long as you can – and when you need a break, you do a plank, and then you get back on the wall. And the idea was how many plank, how many planks um, uh, to get to that seven minutes. What's the value of those mentally, physiologically? What, what What's the value? Well, there's a couple of reasons I include those and how I like those. One is fun, right? Yeah, it is it, fun. Yeah. It's a mix-up to your training routine. Let's face it. To drive results in the gym, you have to do the same things and then get better at them. So you have to do, let's say three sets of 10, the squat for multiple stimulations in a row so that you can add five pounds here, five pounds there. There's a lot of people in the gym that do random workouts every single time they're in the gym and the body doesn't, it it doesn't adapt in the main because it's getting random stimuli. It's like learning. You're a teacher, right? What do you teach? English. English. Okay. Would you get better at English if Monday we did um, English class. Tuesday, we did uh, trigonometry. Wednesday, we did social studies. <laughs> Thursday, we did art. And Friday, we did cooking. How would your English improve? Um, about 20%. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's what people do in the gym. They do a different workout every time it's leg day and your body's like, the, the adaptation is going to be mixed. And so... Um, the challenge. So I like to keep most of the workouts fairly consistent, but the challenges are fun. It's a great way to break the monotony of your basic workout because the basics are what get results, but the basics can get boring after a while. So it's a nice way to shake it up. So that's mentally and emotionally. The next thing is competitiveness. As men, we are lacking that competitiveness in our lives now. We need to have that healthy, friendly, I'm going to be better than you today competition in our lives. I feel like that drives us to become better people and even competing with yourself. Even if you don't have anyone else to compete with competing with yourself, competing with that inner punk, right? That inner punk that tells you to quit. I think that's important. Um, Physiologically speaking, 
it allows you to explore the limits and boundaries of what your body can do, which creates a stimulus in and of itself. There is a small degree. So, so the majority of your physical changes come from establishing a baseline and then improving upon that baseline week in and week out, right? So your first workout was a hundred pounds for a set of 10 workout. Two was 105 workout. Three is 110. That's the main driver of progress. However, there is a degree of progress that's stimulated with novelty, something new. And so if your legs, let's say, are used to doing sets of eight to 10 reps in the squat, and now you're doing a set of 75 reps to failure, that new stimulus can trigger some processes that could get you over a plateau, okay? And then the final thing is mentally, that inner punk. It, it allows you to beat down that inner punk that tells you to quit. And that's something I feel like today, many men don't face real challenges in their lives anymore. We feel like we do, right? Uh, oh, it's raining today and I have to walk to my car and I got wet. That's not a that's not a life challenge. I'm sorry. And so purposely incorporating those things into your day just builds resiliency and toughness, right? Like what after you've done a hundred reps of goblet squats with a 50 pound dumbbell, what about your day could possibly be harder than that? And so I love that mindset. The other thing, uh, and this tackles both mental and physical is many people don't train as hard as they think they can. Even I had a college athlete once. Uh, we used to do challenge workouts with the college athletes. I would do it for all the same reasons I did here. And one of the things I would do is we had a leg press machine that I could kind of really quickly adjust the weights on. And I we would, we would have them do sets to failure. And then we would do force reps where I would assist them. And then I would push down on the weight as they were lowering it, just make it brutal just to build that toughness. And I had an athlete one time and the, and the instruction was do as many as you can. And so this athlete gets on there and he does 13 reps with, I want to say it was like 600 pounds on the leg press. And he stopped, he set it down. He said, that's the most I can do. And I knew he had more in him, right? So he gets up and, and I said, you quit early. No, I didn't. That was the most I could do. And I called the whole team up and I said, all right, I'm not going to mention names, but so-and-so here thinks that they can only do 13. Here's the deal. The whole team, you know, if he doesn't do at least 30 on this next set, the whole team goes out and gets, we're, we're doing conditioning, like, because you guys aren't working hard enough. You had the pressure now, right? You had the pressure of the team. Guess how many he did on his second set? Mind you, he should still be tired from his first set, right? How many do you think he did on his second set? I'm, I'm thinking of David Goggins, the 40% rule. What, he went 1.5 times? How many did he do? He had 47. Wow. Just like he, he was just operating at such a small percentage of his true capacity. And I can tell you as a coach, as someone that's been in the gym my whole life, I can tell you he there's no way outside of an act of God he could have gotten a 48th rep. We we yeah. reached his true limit on that on that second set. And so that's just an eye opener, I think. So so these challenges are oftentimes an eye opener to people that like there's so much more left in the tank for you to explore. You just have to be willing to push through the suffering to get to it. And that's a meta that's metaphorical for so many things in life, right? Like we're we're recording this podcast at five o'clock in the morning, right? I think you and I would probably both prefer to be asleep right now. However, when you want something in life, you push through it and you go get it. Yeah. I, I like I like how you say eye opener. Um, I think what you're what you're doing today as we're talking here, you're you're opening eyes that training has benefits for sure, but you've got to really push yourself. You see a lot of guys in the gym like doing their reps, 
and le- like you know they're doing it. I've been grunting more in the gym, Ryan. Like yeah. like you know you've got us doing one arm rows, and I'm like the gym we go to has 110 pound dumbbells, 130 pound dumbbells, and I'm like trying to pick up these big, and yeah. I'm like I'm pushing myself hard. I'm going into the gym with the mindset of I'm gonna I'm gonna. F this workout up today. Like I'm going hard and I got Vince there too. So that helps because we're, you know, we're banging off each other as well. Do you think men work out hard enough? Like in the gym, what should be my mindset going into a workout? Yeah. What should my mindset be as I, as I hit a workout? Yeah. Your mindset should be, if you don't get another rep or or five more pounds than you did last week, your family's going to die. Right. Like it it should literally (laughs) like, (laughs) all right. Okay. Okay. I got it. No, Uh, no, I I hear you. No, no. But men, men don't train hard enough, you know? And and, well, you, I say that contextually, some men do, right. But as a very small percentage of them, I'd say the majority of people that set foot in a gym who aren't true gym rats, who aren't the personal trainers, strength coaches, or powerlifters or bodybuilders, the majority don't, you know, you go to any commercial gym, you'll see people literally texting on their phones while they are lifting weights. I was I was at the gym, a local commercial gym, and there's a guy on a conference call, like on his earbuds while he's lifting weights. And it's so funny because he was leaving so much in the tank on each set. It was like each set was totally worthless, but he's talking about, oh yeah, you know, I think we need to sell in, in next quarter. We got to sell and dump our profits and blah blah blah, like big time business talk, but like no action in the gym from a yeah. gym standpoint. He might as well have been at his desk. And so I think what I think a lot of people do is they do too much. So they do these workout plans that have way too many exercises, sets, reps, and they have cardio planned after. They do too much, but they do it poorly. They are they're going through uh, quantity at the expense of quality. Yeah. I would rather have you do four exercises with just one all-out amazing set on each exercise than for you to slap through six exercises with five sets a piece and being so far away from your true potential. The exercise sciences research is very, very clear that to maximally stimulate muscle gains, you need to accumulate a lot of effective reps. And they term effective reps as reps that are very, very close to failure within three repetitions of failure. So with my example of my collegiate athlete that leg pressed 600 pounds for 13, he wasn't actually getting a true muscle building stimulus out of that exercise until reps 45, 46, and 47. And so if you put it that way and you've been stuck on a plateau for a long time, not building muscle, maybe, just maybe, you're not accumulating enough effective reps that are near true muscular failure. Um, and so a lot of times people are going too light. They're they're doing too many sets. They're keeping their rest periods super, super short so that they can just flap through it. Um, and I think that that is oftentimes a mistake and where a lot of guys are losing out in the gym. So I think effort and results are, are tied together. It's a marriage between them, right? The guys that look the best in the gym, that perform the best tend to be your high effort performers. Um, there are some genetic freaks out there, but they're few and far between. And so, yeah, as a result, most people just are not training hard enough. Yeah, I, I hear that. Um, more effective reps. I like that. Effective reps. I'm going to get my mind wrapped around that. So when before we re- started recording, we were chatting, and you said the number one, I want to uh, wrap up our conversation around this. You said the number one mistake that men make in, in getting themselves fit or, or losing weight is they don't establish systems to sustain them for the long run. 
Right. People are good at starting. I mean, Ryan, to be honest, you could find a good program online for free. You could actually probably find someone who would pay you almost, incentivize you to take their program. But the program doesn't get you the results. The program might get you to the gym. Why? What are the systems that I need to put in place that are going to normalize uh, getting strong, losing weight for the long term? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think just to add on to what you were saying, you look every single year, January 1st, gyms are packed, right? Packed. packed. Um, two, month, two months later, it's ghost town. And so, and it happens every year. It's the same people. And it's people that don't have systems in place. It's people who rely on motivation and willpower um, to get them to the gym. Motivation and willpower are like a battery. It will eventually run out. And so what happens when your battery runs out? What do you have to fall back on? You have to fall back on your systems and your routine and your discipline. Okay. Discipline is all about doing the things that you need to do, even when you don't feel like doing them. Right. Um, I am in the process of a move right now and I've got boxes everywhere. I was up till one o'clock this morning, just getting stuff put away assembling things, finding homes for different things, scotch guarding my couch, right? My new couch. And so went to bed around one o'clock and the alarm was set for four. So three hours of sleep. I will be brutally honest with you when I said when that four o'clock hit, I didn't want to get up. I had no motivation. I had no willpower at that point. But why did I get up? Discipline. Okay. So those are the things. Now, as far as systems, one of the best things you can do for establishing systems is to take care of your workout, make it a priority in your day where it cannot be interfered with. So many people leave it as a, oh, I'll work out after I do X, Y, and Z. They leave it as kind of a floating thing in their time schedule. When that happens, it'll never get done because something will always pop up in the middle of the day. Um, so I encourage people to tackle their training first thing in the morning if possible. If not first thing in the morning, and it has to be at a later time, you need to block off your schedule as if it's a meeting and stay true to it and hold that time. Some people can't get to the gym until after work. That's fine. Some people can't get to the gym. For other people, it's a before bedtime workout. Maybe it's a, there, there have been several times, you know, I prefer the morning, but there's been some times where due to the day or what I had going on, the workout couldn't happen until after the kids were down. So it became a 9 p.m. Uh, session. The key is you have to plan for it. You have to put it in your calendar and hold an appointment just as if you would hold a doctor's appointment. You, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't skip a doctor's appointment because, oh, I got to go to the grocery store. Oh, I got an email. No. What do you say? You say, oh, I, I'm sorry. I can't make it to uh, this event because I've got a doctor's appointment at that time. Your workout should hold the same priority um, as a system. So schedule it. So we've got, we're making it a priority. We are having discipline because our willpower will fail, the battery will run out. Ryan, what's the role in, we've talked about it a little bit today, what's the role in having like a, a tribe, having people around you? Um, how does that help? Like, uh, is, is there value in lone wolfing? Is there value in like having people who are going to hold you accountable? What do you think about that? It takes a really strong person to truly be able to lone wolf it and still get results. It's possible. Some people's personality, some people are just that driven and, and, um, that driven and have that much self-worth and self-confidence and and it, yeah, it's certainly possible. 
But most of us need help. Most of us need to have those people that are going through the same struggles that we're going through, right? That understand, oh my gosh, like how hard it is to train when you've got young kids. You know, I remember when my daughter was, when my daughter was born and I always wanted to be, I never wanted to be the dad that was just like the I'll work and my wife takes care of the kids and she does all the stuff. I wanted to get up and do the nighttime feedings too. You know, I wanted to be there. If my wife was breastfeeding, I would be getting up doing, you know, getting the next diaper ready and the next outfit, or I'd be throwing the the clothes that my daughter just pooped into the laundry, right? Like, you know, things like that. And so I was up during those periods of time when my daughter was only sleeping for 90 minutes at a time through the night. And it was like, being in a community with people that are going through the same stuff and being like, man, how are you getting these workouts in? How are you doing with this? And checking in, holding each other accountable. It's critically important, critically important. So many people, honestly, so many people, um, and I'm, I'm going to get real deep here for just a second. So many people have let themselves go physically, the quote unquote dad bod because of low self-worth and low self-esteem. Uh, they don't, they don't have enough self-respect to get to the gym and things slide. Those are the people that need the community the most because then you have those other people where at least you're, if you don't have enough respect for yourself to do it for yourself, you're at least doing it for the group. And then eventually, hopefully you develop enough self-worth and self-respect that you'll do it for yourself and you don't need as much as many check-ins from the people, the, the other people lift you up and you can eventually be able to do it on your own. Yeah, so. you do. You do. You need you need to go with people. I've, I've learned that you, if you, Vince likes to say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you go with other people. And I think, I think you can absolutely, the easiest thing, I mean, the easiest thing, but the quickest thing is making the payment, right? To like say, yeah, I'm buying this program. The hardest thing is actually like doing the thing over and like normalizing it, making it part of your habits. Um, one of the things that we're doing in our program, this is my last question, is is we're not just talking about habits in terms of fitness. I think that's actually relatively straightforward. These are the habits, 10,000 steps, three lifts, where we're crushing our rectus abdominis and we're doing more effective reps. I've been learning today, right? Yeah, buddy. Uh, <laughs> we're targeting whole body. So we start with habits that have to do with your nights, your mornings, your strength. And then we go into similar habits for your family. So carving out 15 minutes a day for your spouse, carving out I'm going to read with my – like last night, this is a habit that's in place in our family. I read with my boys every night. I was wrecked last night, just needed to go to bed. It's a habit though. I don't, like, I, I don't negotiate on that. Um, why, Ryan, at this stage in your career and your life, are you interested in expanding your reach? You're an excellent coach, but we're moving outside the gym a little bit and moving into people's homes. What about that is appealing to you? The appealing thing for me is just seeing where society is going. It's clear that there is a crumbling of the structure that raises good human beings, it seems like. And so I just, the fitness side of things is important to me. It's my career, it's my job, but it's also shallow at the end of the day. At the end of the day, who cares what you can squat, bench, deadlift? Who cares if you have a six pack? Like if, if you can be a great human being, take care of others, respect others, raise great children, be a good spouse. Those are all things that are important in life. So for me, the power in this is the holistic nature of, of 
the growth mindset and personal development. Everyone, you know that if you want to get stronger at the bench press, you got to go in and work on the bench press. So many people don't take these, take this thought process into their marriage though. They don't take this into their parenting. They just wing it and they try to make it through each day, right? Each day is just a survival instead of, you know, thriving. And I want to be an intentional parent. Mm. I want to do things on purpose and be present and do it with a goal of doing something. So I know when you read to your kids, there's a goal behind it. It's not just, you're not just making it through your day and trying to fill the day with an activity. You are doing it because you want them to learn how to read. You want them to learn how to communicate. You want bonding time together. You want their brain to expand. You want the chemical wiring in their brain to improve, which reading is shown to to do. And so <clears throat> there's a reason for everything. And so really, uh, I lo- I love the intentionality of filling all of these buckets in our lives with growth and anything that's worth having is going to be worth working towards. And so many people don't work as a father. Yes. Work as a father. You know, when, when I, I want to be the guy that has activities planned for their kids that like, I know that, Hey, at this time we're going to do crafts. And at this time we're going to do something physical with our bodies. And at this time we're going to read some books because it's intentional. When you're not intentional, you will default to the easiest possible solution. And for many people in today's society, the easiest possible solution is flipping on the TV or tossing an iPad at their kid. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not by any means saying that you can never do those things. Right. But when it becomes your default method of parenting, that's when the problem arises. And and so I think when you don't have a system, you'll default to the easiest possible solution. And the easiest possible solution isn't what's best for your kids. It isn't what's best for your wife. It isn't what's best for you. And so that's why I like intentionality and all those things. And that's why I love this program, because we're addressing intentionality in every aspect of your life, your work life, your social life, the gym life, the family life, the kid, I mean, everything. And so it's all encompassing about making you a better person, a better human being. Yeah, I love that. Intention. Intention, intention. I mean, that's what I've heard in our conversation today. Like, I didn't know I was supposed to intentionally measure how, like, my 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 personal best for like ab exercises. You got to be yeah. thinking about that, right? I'm thinking about those numbers you gave me: ten chin ups, squat times one point five, deadlift times two point oh. Those are things. Okay, I got to think about this. I got to go into the gym intentionally, so I'm not just having a conference call with work while I'm in the gym. Everything is by intention. Yep. Yeah. Because if not, what happens? What's the opposite? Like, what is it? Drift? Like you, yeah. you just, you just coast, like the ship will end up somewhere, but who knows? It gives, it gives power to the rest of your day. It allows other people and other things to control your day when you're not intentional, if that makes sense. So if you don't have that intentional time carved out with your kids, inevitably someone's going to call you and need something and you're going to go off and the kids are going to go onto the TV or whatever it may be. And it's like, no, you need to, you need to schedule that time and lock it in. We're, we're simply undisciplined with our schedules. We, we all are. And gosh, I'm sitting here. Like I'm sounding like I'm on my high horse. This is something I need to work on too. I'm a work in progress. We should all be a work in progress. And I can tell you one thing, if anyone is sitting there telling you that they have it figured out, uh, they are full of it because what I want is a leader who is also continuing to work on themselves. The people that I look up to are the ones that don't have it perfect, but are constantly looking for the solution. So anyone that acts like they've got it all figured out to me probably doesn't. It's probably a facade, right? Yeah. You should always continue to work on it for yourself. 
Love it, Ryan. This has been a great conversation. It's like 6.03 or something. We've recorded a pod based on the strength of our discipline, and we've had some great conversation. Um, Ryan, in the last 30 seconds, any final advice, any final advice for parents especially who are just really trying to like be good parents while staying fit? Any final advice? Yes, you have to carve out your priorities. Ask yourself, when something pops up, ask yourself, is this going to matter two years from now or five years from now? The fact of the matter is that email that came in isn't going to matter two years from now. The time you invest into your children will have an impact two years from now. And so that's a great way to navigate your priorities and really laser focus on the things that you need to actively spend the most time on. Yeah, love it. Love it. Work out. As if, if you don't, what was it? If you don't get this last rep, your family's going to die. Is that yeah. how you said it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if, yeah. If last week you squatted 200 for 10 and you don't get 11 this week. You're coming home to a dead family. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, Ryan. This has been such a treat. Thank you for being here with me this morning. Hope there's been value. If there's been value, please share this episode um, and tag the, um, at Vince Del Monte on Instagram or at uh, Men of Bedrock on Instagram. Um, Thank you again for being here today, Ryan. Thanks for having me, brother. Fantastic conversation between Adrian and Ryan today. Thank you so much, fellas. Now, I've got a special gift for everyone listening. If you want to see the 12 brief but brutal challenge-based workouts that we use in Men of Bedrock, message me on Instagram at Men of Bedrock, and we'll send them over to you 100% free. We'll see you soon.